So that's Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 to 18, starting on page 1184. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in, the will, in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hariapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. Welcome to St. John's. My name is uh, Aaron. I'm the assistant minister here. For those who are visiting who might not know my name yet, and welcome to you if, if there's anyone there. Live streaming in. Uh, let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us together. Help us as we come to your word this evening. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts so that we can hear you speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder how you feel when you come to the church each week. Uh, do you feel like you are an absolute champ? In, in a very positive way, uh, and you totally belong? Or do you feel awkward every time you walked into this building? Well, I, I grew up in the church, in the church, you know, as an Asian Christian. Going to church is like eating rice. Uh, going to church every Sunday is a given. There's no questions about it. You have no choice. You have to go with your parents. And often during the weekdays as well. Uh, it's the most normal thing to do, just like eating rice. Uh, like many of you, I've been through it all. Sunday schools, Sunday clubs, youth groups, and other stuff that's happening uh, throughout the calendar year. I used to always win the, the Bible turning competition, you know, Sunday schools. You, you got to 
you, you're given a passage, you have to turn. You have to be, be faster than anyone else. Um, and I, I always win because I've memorized the order of the, the books uh, in the Bible. Uh, and I can always locate the verse if you give me a, a reference. And I was, I was a huge headache to all the Sunday school teachers. Uh, I was one of those kids who think uh, they knew it all. But then, as I grew older, I've noticed a, a dynamic shift. I couldn't pinpoint when, but somewhere down the line, I realized I have changed from thinking that I'm the man, I knew it all, to who am I? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I feel like I'm a phony. That feeling of being a phony became more and more evident as I encountered others who knew the Bible better than I did. And I started to notice those who powerfully proclaimed God's word. And I noticed those who are always so fearless when they talk about Jesus with strangers. And I see those more qualified musicians. I see those prayer warriors who are so devoted in prayer. And I see those who are much more servant-hearted. And I see those who are so humble and gentle. You know, I feel like I've joined a team of superheroes. Superheroes. And I'm the only one, I'm the only person in the team who's got no superpowers. And if you don't have that struggle, praise God, you can be like Captain America. I mean, you can be like Apostle Paul. Uh, encouraging others who have that struggle. But if you feel what I feel, and you are actually thinking that you are the, you are the odd one out, that's totally normal. Even the Hawkeye from the Avengers felt that. Oh, thanks. When you're on a team with the Hulk and Thor, and we're all up there on the movie screen. Will people believe that I'm not quite as tough? Will anyone even notice me? Listen, I've got powers too, and they're pretty sweet. Promise I can do so much more than just archery. And I can open a pickle jar. The freaking Hawkeye. Maybe I'm as super as they are. Yeah. You, can, you can look up on YouTube for the long, longer version. I have to cut, cut it down for the sake of timekeeping. You see, when I look at myself, all I see is my own inadequacies. But through the book of Colossians, Paul encouraged us, he encouraged everyone who believes to fix our eyes on the one who's done it all. God has rescued us. He's put us on the plan to take us to his son's kingdom. That's in chapter 1. 
through Jesus dying on the cross, God has nailed all our sins on the cross so that we could be reconciled to him. That's chapter 2. And now we stand before God, blameless. That's chapter 3. Um, read the whole thing again if you have time. It's very easy read. Four chapters only. Uh, there's nothing more we could do to add to what God has done through Jesus. All we could do is to stick with Jesus, stay connected to him, to the head, because he's, because he's the one who makes us grow. You see, Hawkeye might not have superpowers, but his role in the, in the Avengers is so key, is so vital. He actually holds the team together in many ways. So this evening, we're going to look at this group of people, not the Avengers, but the group of people mentioned in the Bible, in our passage. A team that's quite a mix, mixed bag, really, which is great, because that's what any church is like, and we can relate to them. You can see on your service sheet, there are two points. Um, I left mine here, it's fine. Two points, from passengers to partners, and friends, not just for weekends. The first is to, to do with service. As the body of Christ, lots of people serving together to build up the church and for the advancement of the gospel. The second is to do with the relationship between God's people. Let's explore service first. <clears throat> so verse seven. Paul describes Tychicus as a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Paul and Tychicus, Tychicus work together. They labor together. Verse 8, I am sending him to you on behalf of me to encourage your heart. Verses 9 to 11, we have Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Jesus, also known as Eustace. Paul says, these are my co-workers, the fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Wow, even Onesimus, even Mark, the two questionable characters. Paul describes them as his fellow servant, fellow workers. Onesimus, he's a runaway slave from his master, Philemon. Somehow Onesimus encountered Paul and he came to faith. He was repentant of what, of what he had done. So this trip Paul sends him on, he's actually also going, to, going back to his old master to meet him, to meet Philemon with another letter from Paul, the letter of Philemon, to ask for forgiveness. And this runaway slave Paul described him as his faithful and dear brother. And he had become Paul's co-worker, a great help to Paul for the gospel. And then Mark, probably was worse if you think about it. He's also a runaway in some ways. Uh, Onesimus, he was a non-Christian slave who ran away and then later became Christian. But Mark, he's a believer already. But he had des deserted Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. When Paul and Barnabas was about to depart for their second 
uh, mission trip. Barnabas was about to give Mark a second chance. He asked Paul if, if, he could take, uh, if, he, if Mark could take along again. Paul was like, no way am I going to take him again. I don't trust that guy. And because of their sharp disagreement, Paul and his, his once best buddy, Barnabas, parted ways, and they never got to co-work again. And that was very sad. But years later, Paul was writing this letter, acknowledging Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And by the way, Barnabas wasn't his original name. His original name is Joseph. But Barnabas means son of encouragement. And that's his, his nickname. People call, call him by his nickname, it's son of encouragement. And so this, this name dropping here by Paul is probably a way of Paul publicly recognizing Barnabas's work in, in Mark's life. Uh, Barnabas encouraged Mark and restored him back to, to the service of, of the kingdom. So Mark, once written off by Paul, here Paul calls him one of his co-workers for the kingdom of God. Maybe you know someone who you've written off already. Do you believe God can bring, bring them back for his own glory? For the service of his kingdom? Or maybe you feel like you are one of those who stuffed up. Uh, take heart. God is not done. He's not through with you. No matter how badly you messed up, don't write yourself off. Because you are his chosen, holy and dearly beloved. All he asks is that we stick to him and stay connected to the head and he will cause us to grow. So this group of people, including those questionable ones, Paul says, uh, end of verse 11, they have proved a comfort to me. They are a source of encouragement to me. I've always imagined Paul as an evangelism machine. He goes everywhere, boldly proclaimed the gospel, and then he planted many new churches. Well, if a spiritual giant like Paul says that he needs encouragement and comfort from others, I'd be lying to you if I tell you I'm all right, everything's cool, I'm doing just fine, etc. Truth to be told, if it wasn't for other people's comfort and encouragement during difficult times, especially from those who uh, I got to work alongside with, I would have given up on ministry a long time ago, many, many times over. Verse 12, then we have um, Epaphras, who's also a fellow servant, says Paul. A faithful minister on our behalf. Now, Epaphras is a prayer warrior. He prays for you, the Colossian believers. He prays to God on your behalf. And do you know how he prays? Well, he fervently prays on your behalf as if he's literally in the agony of a wrestling match. If you've, even, if you've ever seen people wrestle together, that's how, how tough it is. Uh, it's very rough as well. Paul says, verse 13, 
I vouch for him. And that's another word for, I'm an eyewitness of that. I'm telling you that that's how hard and how devoted he prays to God on your behalf. You know, one thing so sneaky about those prayer warriors like Epaphras is that they usually are very, very humble and they never go around boasting about their prayer life. So you just never know how they've been praying for you or praying for others. So if one of those prayer warriors has really been praying for you, uh, you need someone else to tell you. Otherwise, you just never know. So when someone else comes, comes to you and tells you, wow, this is, this is how so-and-so has been fervently praying for you, you should, you should really, really be encouraged by that. Uh, verse 14, Luke, the doctor, and Demas, they are also Paul's fellow workers alongside Aristarchus and Mark. So to sum up, this mixed bag group of Paul's companions, they might have come on board um, at, a different, at different stages and, and started following Jesus at a different time. Some younger believers, some old and mature, but they, they're all sticking with Jesus. They have Jesus as their head. So they were all able to become partners in the gospel together, serving together, advancing God's kingdom together. <clears throat> and they were able to serve one another, comfort and encourage one another. Surely they are not just friends for weekends. Coming to our second point. If you go back to verse 7 with me again. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. Verse 8, I'm sending him to you so that you may know what's going on. Then verse 9, he's going to come with Onesimus and they will tell you everything. That's three times Paul said, you really need to know what's happening with us here. I wonder why Paul had to stress the importance of them hearing about what's going on, what's happening with Paul. Uh, Paul mentioned earlier in chapter 1 how he, Paul had heard all the exciting things about the growth of the Colossian believers from, from others, so they rejoiced for them. But, but those Colossian believers knew very little of what's happening with Paul. <clears throat> Because it's, it's only Paul and his team praying for the Colossian church. It really is only, only a one-way service. I'm, I'm praying for you guys. But you guys know nothing about me. And that's not a relationship. It's just Paul serving them. So that's why it's so crucial that Paul wants to make sure that the Colossian believers stay well-connected as Paul's mission partners. I have some friends serving as missionaries in Ukraine and some serving in Russia. You know what? Whenever those missionaries send words out to their families, to their friends, and to their mission partners, that's just so exciting. It makes makes huge difference. For one, it's very comforting to know that they are all doing well. Um, they are safe, especially right after a news report of a missile strike, for example. And then, it's super encouraging hear, hearing things that you would never hear on the news. Um, like, despite many of the churches 
their building got destroyed in the first few months um, since the war started. <coughs> Christians continued to, continued to meet despite of lacking buildings. Um, and like how churches unite together to see God, to seek God, to support one another. And like how, how people are turning to Jesus even though they've lost their homes or even their loved ones. And all those allowed us to rejoice with them, with those missionaries out there who are there on the ground. And also it helps us to know how we can be praying for them. So hearing what's going on in each other's lives is important. That's the key of, that's key to good relationship. And there's another word I want to draw your attention to. Verse 10. Aristarchus sends you his greetings. As does Mark. Verse 11. Jesus, a.k.a. Eustace, sends greetings. Verse 12. Epaphras, he sends greetings. Verse 14. Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. Verse 15. Paul says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And I must confess, I've noticed something really weird about me when it comes to greetings. I don't know if it's because I grew up in, in Western countries for 31 years. Uh, well, how, how do you feel when someone tells you, so-and-so says hi to you? Or, please, pass my love to your wife and your children. In my mind, I'll, I'll be saying, if you're thinking about, about them, why don't you just go directly to them and say your greetings to them? You know, why, why through me? Or sometimes I, I'd be wondering, was he or she trying to take advantage of me and use me as a means to connect with so-and-so? I just, I just find it awkward, to be, to, be, to be honest. But last year, I went to Uganda for the first time with uh, some of the other students from Oak Hill College. I was blown away by how the Ugandans greet one another. Greeting is so important to them. Uh, when we were invited to someone's place for a meal, we'd obviously have to introduce ourselves. And sometimes that could take up to an hour. Like food is there, getting cold, and you're still introducing yourself. <clears throat> and when it's my turn to introduce myself, I have to talk about how I'm married to Ruth, and I have two kids, Amelia and Lemuel. Hopefully they are not embarrassed right now, me bringing them into this picture. But I have to, I have to do that because it's culturally, culturally appropriate and expected that you do that, you have to do that. Otherwise people will think you are strange. And if you're married, why don't you talk about that you're married? So that's very important. And then, because I was there by myself, naturally I, was, I would then say, uh, because it's during school term time, so Ruth and the kids couldn't be here with, with me, but Ruth sends her greetings. You know what? They were so happy to hear when, when others sent them greetings. It is so significant. It communicates something important. Uh, when someone sends their greetings to you, it shows they are thinking of you. 
you are in their hearts. And the Ugandans loved it when they knew that they are in other people's hearts. So if we want to come to a church that's so welcoming, a church which I can't wait to come to every chance I get, a church I'm proud to call it home, then don't wait around for that to happen. Be a little countercultural. Take the initiative to think about others. Take the initiative to engage with others. Uh, outside Sunday, we have small groups, prayer meetings, uh, youth groups, and other midweek groups. And all those are great opportunities for you to build relationships with one another. For some of you, maybe because of the gloomy winter weather, or maybe it was from two years ago, from those COVID lockdown days, somehow you've become isolated from others. Uh, you feel that you are forgotten. And eventually you got used to that, and you just sad and grumpy. <clears throat> if this is how you feel, especially if you felt neglected by the church, I'm so sorry to hear that. Paul must have also felt lonely and neglected. Perhaps that's why he ended his letter saying, remember my chains. But I'm so glad that you are here, despite how you felt. Uh, you made the effort to come to worship with other brothers and sisters. So please don't stop here. Take the initiative to speak out, to make your voice heard, to, to make your situation known to others so that we as the body can come alongside you to pray for you and to support you. And then for some of, some of us, it might mean that we need to take the initiative to ask, to find out what's going on in each other's lives. <clears throat> and there's no shortcut to relationships. Finally, a last thought before we end. Verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. We actually don't know what exactly Archippus's ministry is. God knows, Paul knows, and Archippus himself knows, but the Bible doesn't say what that ministry is. <clears throat> um, I was thinking, why don't we try to replace Archippus's name with our, our own? So tell Aaron, see to it that he completes the ministry he has received in the Lord. And whatever that ministry might be for you, remember, you are not alone in it. And you probably aren't meant to complete the ministry on your own. Remember, there are people who wrestles in prayer on your behalf. So make your needs known to them so that you could be on their hearts. And there are people who come alongside you to help as co-workers, fellow servants, and as partners. So take heart. Um, let's have a moment of quiet and let's think about how does your identity in Christ shape your priority your priorities in your life.
in particular, how are you doing in being a co-worker, a fellow servant? And how does your identity in Christ shape your relationship with one another? And I'll pray after uh, the moment of quiet. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the head of the church who causes us to grow as we stay connected to him and to each other. Thank you that you didn't create us to be loners, but we have one another who can come alongside to encourage one another to share your love together and to labor together for your kingdom and your glory. Please would you help us to love each other better and to build a community that's pleasing to you, where people can come and recognize you are in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.